One of my mentors taught me really early on that you have to learn how to manage $1,000 before you can manage 10. You have to learn how to manage $10,000 before you can manage $100,000. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. What's going on, everyone? This is your host, as always, Brian Lubin, bringing you the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who have earned their freedom so you can earn freedom in your life and business today. We have got an amazing show for all of you today, but I want to also give you the benefit of a sneak peek into what's coming next week, because as we get into July, this show is going to be officially international. So I had to be able to live up to the hype a little bit, right, and save some really freaking cool guests. So I will go ahead and give you a teaser to next Tuesday's episode, and that is going to be with Jeff Hoffman who is the billionaire founder of Priceline.com and Booking.com. So this podcast went from seven to nine figures. We have our first 10-figure guy on there, so that's going to be fantastic. Got a lot of amazing guests on this week as well with Cody Bugin, Diego coming tomorrow, and my man Noah Evans today. Noah is 27 years old, just like me, and is murdering it. In the real estate game, he has a company that has a couple different arms. One arm is flipping 40 houses per year, and the other arm is acquiring short-term rentals, what she calls the Ferrari of cash flow for his portfolio. So he's doing a lot of huge things, and he has a lot of insight today. We talk about how he got started, how he attracted a mentor that taught him everything he knew to be able to build these different legs and different arms of his business. And even more important than that, we talk about a major mistake he made in his business that almost cost him his business and how he made the mistake, learned from it, and developed systems and processes to where that would never happen again, which was healthy for his business. So we're able to offer all of these lessons for you guys today. Lastly, before we get into today's episode, go in the show description and download the free copy of my book from W2 to world travel. Once again, this is completely free. It's a 30-page guide that's going to walk you through all the steps that I went through mentally and financially to leave corporate America and be able to plan this trip that I'm about to hop on. So go in the show description, download that for free. Without any further ado, Noah freaking Evans. Let's get to it. Noah Evans. What's going on, buddy? What's up, brother? I'm excited to be here with you, man. Excited to be on here too. This man and I were talking for 15 minutes before this started rolling and he just thought that was the show <laughs> he thought <laughs> i thought we were going man i was he ready thought we were going <laughs> he thought we were going i'm asking him about his day i'm asking him about his business and he's, he gave me a quotable we're about to dive into that he said some really good stuff off mic which of course we are going to give to all of you here today we're not going to hold that from y'all but yeah <laughs> no nah, man like i said we got to Got some professionalism here, man. This is the Action Academy (laughs) podcast, baby. (laughs) So Noah and I, for people listening, Noah and I just actually were introduced to each other here probably a week ago, and he caught me right in the middle of an existential crisis. 
<laughs> so the first phone call we get on, we instantly start going deep and talking life. So now yeah, he has personal. the unfor- he has the unfortunate pleasure of my friendship. So sorry, buddy. That <laughs> happens, man. You grew on me. <laughs> yeah, but today we are talking about you and your life lessons. So A, your portfolio, B, your life lessons from your portfolio, because from the story you shared with me, there's a lot of takeaways that we can apply all of us in our businesses and maybe make some proactive moves to avoid some of the mistakes as well. So I'll allow yourself to, I'll allow you to introduce yourself to the people and tell us where you're at, what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely, man. First, I want to give a shout out and credit to the man who introduced us because dude, I'm right there with you. We like became like friends within like Massey. a second phone call. Yeah. I got to give a shout out to Massey, man. Massey, thanks for introducing Brian and I. It's weird how similar we are. And like so um, many, yeah. it's crazy, super weird. Yeah. Thanks, Massey. We appreciate that, brother. And yeah. So my name's Noah Evans. I'm out in Boise, Idaho. I flip, do Airbnbs, got a couple long-term rentals. We're going really deep on Airbnbs this year. And we'll talk way more about that in detail on this episode, I'm sure. But yeah, I'm pumped to be here. I also run a podcast, which is again, like where all of our similarities come in. So it's the Chasing Freedom Show. Our mission is exactly the same, even though we have different names, right? We're both out there trying to help people achieve financial freedom faster. So what's freedom mean to you? Man, freedom really comes down to one thing. I want to be able to do what I want with who I want, where I want. So in the corporate world, I worked a corporate job for about three years outside of college. And and every aspect of my day was controlled. Here's a funny story, actually. So when I started working there, me and this one dude just got really close. We had to do all of our corporate trainings together. We became like best buddies. And as long as I was working with him, it didn't even feel like I was working. We just had the best time together. We were cracking up all the time. And the minute that the corporate executives saw that, they're like, yeah, you're done. We're separate you. We got to put you guys in different branches. I'm like, wow. I'm like, man, we're over here making like the rest of the people laugh. We're like changing the culture. We're like really getting the whole, the whole entire team driving together and having fun. And you want to break that up. So that was like the telltale sign. And I was like number one of the number one salesmen at that company too. So I was about to say, were you generating revenue? <laughs> yeah, no, I was. Yeah. That's so, a- yeah. yeah. So anyways, when they did that, I just was like, man. I got to have more control of my life. Like, and I already didn't want to be there. I, that was, I was starting my wholesale career. That was actually, that guy was one of the first guys I started a wholesale business with back in like 2017. So from then on out, I just was like, man, I'm going to make it a purpose that I get to make my decisions in my life, not somebody else for me. Yeah, can relate. Definitely. Because we all start off, we go into our corporate jobs. So I don't know if this was like this for you, but this is an observation I made. And one of the points that I'm hitting on for people that are listening Here's how you determine if you want to stay in your W-2 job. It's just a risk-weight scenario. You look at your manager and then the manager's manager, right? You look at your director level and you say, hey, do I want to be that guy or that girl? Like morally, do you like them? How's their lifestyle look? How's their pay look? And if you don't like the answers to those questions, it's time to start looking at doing your own thing. Yep. So that's how it was for me. Was that like it was for you? Because I looked at my director and I was like, okay, cool. You're on your second marriage. You are not around your kids, young kids ever, constantly traveling. You make maybe 60,000 more than I do. It's just not going to work. Very similar path. Yeah. If I look back at those corporate exams, I actually remember having a conversation with him one time and I was like, Hey, don't you, this was like the area manager. So I was like an assistant branch manager. He's the area manager. So he managed like 20 of me. And I, was, I sat there and asked him one day, I was like, hey, man, don't you feel like your position is the most vol- volatile if something happens in our market that's crazy? I'm like, mm-hmm. they can't fire me. I'm in the branch. They need me. They can condense areas, though. 
they can have an area manager run a whole state. And yeah, that guy's life will be held, but at least they'll have a job. I left far before like coronavirus started. But when coronavirus hit, that company fired a lot of their area managers. So to me, it was also security. Like a lot of people talk about security and jobs like, oh, I know I get a paycheck every month. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't necessarily derive that paycheck from value. You derived it from time. And for me, I didn't ever like that. If they didn't like me, if I did something wrong, if I said something wrong to the wrong person at the wrong time, they just let me go. It'd be easy for them to do that. But in my business now, my business is me. Like I'd like for, I'd like to get to a point where it doesn't depend on me to, to generate income. But sure. at this time, it doesn't matter who I piss off. I generate income in my company. So I am sure. more secure now, in my opinion, than I was at, with a W-2 income. The banks don't see me that way but I feel more secure. Yeah. And it's funny because I tell people, if you're already working 90 hours a week and you have that level of work ethic, honestly, at that point, it makes more sense to do that at your own thing. Because my mom's a nurse and she has nurses that are with her and her unit that have been working at the hospital for 45, 50 years. They just got let go because the hospital got acquired. They said, hey, we're restructuring. We don't need you anymore. Gone. And that's 45, 50 years of your life. So security is always, it's always a dicey topic, man. It's a slippery slope. And I like that you're in the Robert Kiyosaki cash flow quadrant. You go to employee, self-employed business owner, investor. So right now, it sounds like you're making that transition from self-employed to business owner. You're getting some yep. systems baked in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're working on some systems in. My team shrunk. I went from five to two people. But uh, we've got some rock stars now. So I've got Sam, my operations manager, and Justin, my acquisitions manager. So really my job and my role now inside the company is really steering the ship. Uh, so it's making sure that Justin's taking down good deals, that pencil, raising capital, plugging in the right investors to the right deals, and then trying to help the projects and making sure that they're progressing along. And that's probably my biggest bottleneck. So right now we're actively seeking one or two roles, either like a full-time project manager and bring them in house, put them on salary and give them profit share on the deals, or like a full-time construction worker that can go in and do all the odds and ends, little things and save us money on our projects. Okay. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like, yeah, everyone's kind of looking for those operators right now to be able to kind of level things out and get things moving as we progress through this new tumultuous market that we're about to dive into, which, hey, all the people that come on the show, I haven't had anyone that's terrified of it. Because you know why? Everyone that's an operator is going to flourish through these next five years, I think. It's the people that aren't operating that are going to get caught with their pants down. Always. Yeah, I agree with that completely, man. I'm curious too, with all the people you get to talk to, are you finding that a lot of them are setting up cash on the side right now? Mixed bag. It's Uh a mixed bag. There's a lot of dry powder floating around. I will say lots of conversation about equity lines, A lot of people are using... So here's the big similarity between all the ultra wealthy high performers that I'm in the circle with. So what they're doing right now is they're doing the cat. They've got cash, lots of cash. But what they're doing is they're lending that cash out with a first back lien against the asset. So they're doing private money lending, letting all this money out, and then they're getting it back three months, six months, a year later with it against the asset based on the asset. So... There's a lot of that. So that's how they're continuing to get returns. So that's a huge thing while they're keeping their powder dry, right? Yeah. A lot of them are accessing all the lines of credit that they can. And the ones that I know that are actively buying, they're still buying. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I'm hanging out right now. I'm letting everything unfold. And there's three sides to a coin. You got your heads, tails, and the edge. 
So I'm just sitting on the edge. I'm just watching both sides and I'm going to see what goes on. But hey, if it's a good deal, it's a good deal. So walk me through. So we will get up to the story that you told me off mic, which was very impactful. And there's a lot of lessons there. Walk me through the journey about exiting this corporate job and getting into real estate, starting up. And how did you start acquiring all these units and get up to where you're at? Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm going to start with the end lesson and then we'll work backwards from there. So like my biggest thought process that had to change for me to get where I am now was really understanding that money is just a tool. Mm. And it didn't matter whether I had $5 in my bank account or $100,000 in my bank account. What mattered was that I understood how to use the tool. One of my mentors taught me really early on that you have to learn how to manage $1,000 before you can manage 10. You have to learn how to manage $10,000 before you can manage $100,000. Because I've made some really, I've been very blessed in my life and I've made some very fast jumps. And it, every single time I made a really fast jump, put me in a really uncomfortable position, which mm. is fine. That's growth. But I was like, man, I don't know what to do with this. Well, I've never managed this much money before. Do I let it, do I just sit on it? A lot of times I did. I just, it was indecision, which goes against some of my philosophies, which I believe that a, a decision is better than indecision. But so ultimately what ended up happening was when I started to understand that money was the tool and time was the asset and I needed to get back time. Uh, I started phasing out of my corporate job. I started trying to wholesale. It took me eight months to land my first deal. In the meantime, I had one of my one of my buddies who's my partner quit on me. So I gave him back some of his money. I just kept going at it. I was honestly on the verge of quitting. I really was like, I think I had blown all my savings on direct mailers. They hardly worked. My phone mm-hmm. was going off the hook for some stuff. And, but I didn't know how to, I did like one, I didn't even have the time to return those phone calls. I was working. I worked like 12 hour days in my corporate job. So like I'm sitting there trying to return the phone calls at 9 PM when I got home and after I got done cooking my wife dinner, cause she's in med school, nobody's answering. And I'm like, dude, I'm paying for this phone to ring. I don't even have the time to answer it. This sucks. So I do the best I could to return those calls. And it got to the point where like I locked up this one deal. I thought I was going to make 17 grand. I fell flat on my face. Deal fell apart. And I was like, bro, I don't think I can keep doing this. Like I'm exhausted. I'm tired and I haven't made any money. So anyways, I decided, I was like, I am not going to quit. I've got two good leads. I'll follow up with them until they freaking sue me for calling them so many times. So I did. I stayed on top of these two leads and I wouldn't let them go anywhere. One of them lived in my neighborhood. So I go to her house every single Saturday and knock on her door again. She's like, oh my God, Noah, what do you want? I'm like, hey, just here to see if anything's changed or something I can help you with. I know you say you can't get up and down these stairs. I've went and looked at two apartments for you yesterday. I think this one would be a good fit. And I bring her, I literally print her off pictures and show her. I ended up closing that deal, 10 grand into my bank account. It was the equivalent of three months of salary at my corporate job. So all of a sudden I had proof of concept that it's real. And I'm like, okay. I could do this. I could repeat that again. In the meantime, one of the guys I tried to sell that deal to, it didn't work for him, had a full established team. He had operations managers and acquisitions managers, and he flipped houses in a couple of different cities, and he had access to capital and all these things, and he understood hard money, and all of that was just like super scary to me at the time. I was like, ah, bro, I barely know how to knock doors. I don't know how I'm yeah. supposed to of money to flip a house. I, anyways, I got to know him through that assignment, through that wholesale deal, my first one. I ended up going to work for him. So I basically quit my job. I went to work for my mentor. He taught me how to wholesale. Basically at scale, I became his full-time acquisition manager. And that's something I think a lot of newbies mess up on is they think that, man, you got to be the big dog. You get your ego involved. You have to be the guy running the show. I'm like, dude, put all that aside. Let go of the ego. I would have worked for free for that mentor because he taught me invaluable lessons that saved me time. Again, relating back to that lesson that I shared at the beginning of the story, which is that time was what I was seeking. Money's the tool to buy me back time. So 
my mentor accelerated my growth rate, probably 10 X, man. I wouldn't be where I am. Had I not went and watched firsthand how this guy ran eight different tentacles of an operating business at all times, all while sitting in one position. And I was like, that's crazy. How can he run acquisition teams and flip houses and raise money and go to events and run meetups and do all of this stuff as one person? And as he learned that, that lesson, he learned how to leverage his time. So fast forward, I worked for him for two years, moved to Idaho, bought my first house hack, uh, started renting out the basement, achieved my, my first level of financial freedom. That was my first taste of passive income. I realized that like my biggest expense was gone, my mortgage. I no longer had a mortgage or rent. I made sure I paid off my cars. And all of a sudden I'm like, dude, I literally don't have to work anymore. Yeah, like, I know. Good enough for me, but like I had no expenses now. This was crazy. Like I, maybe like food was the only thing I had to pay for. I was like, this is crazy. I've never in my life have I ever been at a point where like my living expenses were like five or 600 bucks a month. We had no student loan debt, paid everything off. At that point, I was like, dude, I could take massive risk now because there's no consequence for failing. I'll never have to worry about having a place to live. I took what little money I had. I did my first private like money investment with a local flipper here. The same guy who flipped my basement, turned my basement into a secondary unit for me. That kind of rolled into like more deals and more flips. And then because I was good at finding deals and these other flippers were good at flipping deals, I started to figure out how to raise money as I was lending it out myself. And then that turned into a full-scale operation. I got up to flipping like 40-ish homes a year. And that's, that kind of brings you almost to date. There was a couple other things that happened in between there, but that's a good baseline. I love how it's all relational because it started with the first mentor that you went and took your ego away and you said, hey, like this guy gets it. This is where I want to be. And if more people ask that question, it goes back to who, not how, right? Like Ben Hardy. And if more people would just let go of trying to be the big dog, same with realtors. So they go out and they try to, they're like, I don't want to go split my profit with a brokerage. I want to just go do my own thing and keep 100%. 50% of 100,000 is a lot better than 100% of 5,000. So you figured that out right out the gate. And then you started. Another thing that I like about it is you got your mentor that you worked for. And then you also got your mentor that did your basement just through action, just blind action. And people ask all the time, how do I find a mentor? How do I find a mentor? I said, you act your way into the mentor. Perfect. Yeah, you add value. Yeah. No one's going to take their time with you if you don't have skin in the game. If you just keep Facebook messaging people and say, Hey, I'll do something for you. What can I help you with? I'll help you do stuff that you don't like doing. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go mow my grass. What are you going to learn from that? <laughs> exactly. So I really like that. And then you ended up from your massive action, you ended up getting partnered with people that were also taking action and then you joined forces and then you were able to do it. What were the main differences that you maybe give some of the main takeaways that you had from that first mentor that you went to work with as his acquisitions manager? What were some of the ways that you saw that he was able to go from that self-employed part of the quadrant to business owner? Yeah. So I, the biggest one was that he spent a lot of his time coaching his people. That's a part that I'm trying to phase into. I'm st I still act a lot as a technician inside my business right now, but man, I remember seeing his Google calendar and it was like, if I scheduled it ahead of time, I could get on his calendar for training. But if I try to schedule something the day of, he's already blocked out. He was already training people throughout the entire day. He'd have, he was training his operations manager on a new part of a system. And instead of calling her out for missing up something, messing up something, he's, Hey, let's fine tune that process and let's get better at that. Cause obviously I, as a leader, I haven't identified the bottlenecks in that particular process. And that's why there's an issue. It's not you, it's the process. And that's on me to create that. 
So he spent a lot of his time doing that. And I remember being on calls till 10 PM at night with him sometimes, and we'd be re-going through offer scripts. And he's like, okay, we didn't get that deal. Why? Let's go backwards through it. And he's mentoring me and coaching me through why we didn't get the deal. And as we're doing that, we're playing it forward and we're redoing and redefining that process at all times. And I'm not perfect at it, man. I'll be the first person to admit that. But that was my biggest key takeaway is that he always taught us instead of pointing the finger at us or making us feel bad for failure. He always taught us through redefining a process or getting better at a system. That was huge, man, to watch him do that. Because what that did is that allowed in the future, I was able to solve those problems on my own inside of his company instead of having to go to him for everything. So it's front, it's almost front loading your time to where then you don't, you're not having to divvy it up all the time with, like you said, it's like, hey, teach a man to fish, eats for life, give a man a fish, eats for a day. Yeah. I love the extreme ownership too. That, that's thing. awesome. I've got a new virtual assistant right now and that's what we're going through right now. So that's why it's so helpful for my mentors right now is I'm able to look at it through a lens because a lot of the times what people do is they, especially with virtual assistants, they have them month and then fire, move on to the next fire, move on to the next. Oh, this isn't working out. Move on to the next. But then I'm grateful to be able to have had the mentorship to where I'm like, Hey, like, how can I make this process better for both of us? What's missing? What's missing on my end? Do I have this clearly defined? Do I have my criteria clearly defined. We're missing here. Do I have the system in place or do we need to tweak it? Most of the time, the answer is that mm-hmm. we have to tweak our own systems. So talk. So it sounds like we're up to the point where you and I were speaking off camera about your big business lesson. Let's go into that. Yeah. Basically over the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight months or so, as we stacked up all of these flips and all of these projects and built out this team, we were hovering right around five, six employees, had a big old expensive office space, all this thing. I felt on top of the world. And as I was sitting there doing all that, I was like, man, to me at that exact moment in time, it didn't matter whether I made more money that year. What mattered was that like I protected all that income I was making. I want to just pay it back to Uncle Sam. So I was trying to avoid extra taxes. I was trying to get cost of depreciation by holding stuff and all these other things. So man, we went in there and I, I think we tried to hold like six or seven of our flips all at once. And this, that timing was really bad because we were doing such volume that I never really had to watch. And I should have been, but I never really had to watch my expenses per month. We were hovering probably somewhere between thirty dollars and $40,000 a month in expenses, including interest payments. And that's a dangerous spot to be in because you literally have to do, you have to close a flip a month just to stay afloat, which just is like- Break even. Yeah. yeah it's just to, just to break even. And so we ended up getting caught with our pants down, trying to hold that many properties at once at the same time. I was filling them all with furniture, turning them all into Airbnbs. So it was like a hundred grand in furniture, just about between four or five of the houses. And so all of a sudden we're sitting there looking and I'm like, this is interesting. Not having any money exposed all these cracks in my foundation. And so then all of a sudden I started seeing stuff that I probably would have never saw or never understood. And unfortunately, I'm not going to go into the details there, but it opened my eyes to a whole bunch of things that were hidden from the amount of cash flowing in and out of my business at all times. And so I sat there and I'm like, this is interesting. We've got to change some stuff and we've got to change it fast. We actually got rid of that company, dissolved it. Partners all went their own separate ways. I kept two of the employees from that company. I had to fire the rest of them. That was probably like one of the worst days of my life. I don't wish that upon anybody having to let go of people you really care about. It's hard, man. But yeah, I was able to keep two of them, which was really cool. So I kept my acquisitions manager and my operations manager. Now we run a much more intimate team. All of us wear more hats, which has been a fun, interesting change to, to go through that, adding responsibilities to people that 
it wasn't their responsibilities before. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of sharing the vision and where we're headed mm-hmm. retain, not only tr- it's the trust to retain the trust of your employees as you shrink a company down to be able to explain the vision to them that things are changing, but in a positive way. Cause it doesn't feel very positive. I mean, we went from this like grand, like 3000 square foot office. It was all industrial, with these cool concrete floors. And now I'm in like a 700 square foot office. Like I share an office with my ops manager. I gave my acquisitions manager his own office because I wanted him to be able to focus on the phones. And like that's a lot of like humbling, get rid of your ego type of moments. And your team has to be able to follow you through that. So that was, it's cool to see that I got through that. <laughs> Bro, there were yeah. times where I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this, man. So yeah, it brings me to present day, which is really interesting. So through exposing those cracks in my foundation, a lot of my takeaways were the management of my money and specifically like having bookkeepers, right? Like I never paid for bookkeepers. We did bank account accounting and that crumbled me in my last business. So now we have book, we have bookkeepers. So now we're following the profit first system. So we have separate accounts for all of our flips. I got a separate accounts for expenses. We're setting aside money for savings and taxes. Now I got an owner distribution account. So like, I'm really making sure that I pay myself because at the end of the day, like my motivation inside this company is the most important because I'm the thermostat for everybody else. If I come in here, I'll beat down and tired. Then guess what? So that's how everyone else is going to feel. So I have to come mm-hmm. in pumped up and energized. And an effective way to do that is to make sure I'm being paid because I was the last person to be paid in my last company at all times. So now I'm making sure I'm getting paid at the same time with my employees. And as we're re- rebuilding this company, I'm watching it evolve. And it's wild to see this with half the team members and less than half the projects, I'm on track to be just as profitable. And I cut my company in half. Wow. What's the vision moving forward now? What's the new, what's the new vision? Yeah. Now that I'm watching my numbers, I know where I'm at for the year, right? So yeah, we're actually... That's, that's the project, good yeah, it's, it's just totally different. I don't even know what I was doing before. But so yeah, now we're actually at a break-even point for the year with the projects we have lined up. So I don't actually have to take on any more flips for the remainder of the year. I just have to close out what I've got lined up. Um, so we're actually trying to now focus strictly on cash flow. So we hit our revenue goal for the year. We're good. We'll break even. Everybody will make the amount of money that they want to make for salaries and stuff like that. And so now we're like, dude, let's go all in on passive income and let's like tackle this full force for the last two quarters of this year. So we are chasing down short-term rentals out of state. Um, We're specifically focusing on the Midwest and we got some pretty specific buying criteria. So for us, I want the purchase price to be under $500,000 per asset or per single family home is what I'm going for. And then I want that to net my company per house, $3,000 a month. Sounds crazy. But in the short-term rental game, it's it's not that wild. You just have to find the right market, find the right asset and make sure your property is unique and you're doing all the right things that that generate that, that make that property a top producing property in the area. So you're outsourcing the management? No, I actually, we're bringing it in-house. We used to outsource it. I was really disappointed with how that went. I was paying people quite a bit of money to like very poorly manage my assets. So cool thing. This is like all impact and legacy. My brother had my brother had a little detail business, or not a little detail business. He had a pretty good size car detail business, automated it, left it. I went to go take a job with a railroad company, slept in one day, got fired, super upset on his drive home from Texas back to California, called me up, was like, bro, I don't know what to do. Like I've been wanting to do stuff with Airbnbs, but I literally don't know what I'm doing. I'm like driving back home to nothing at this point. And I'm like sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, I'm going to let him like sit in his soak in his failure for just a minute here. I called him up the next week. I was like, Hey, I want to take over my Airbnbs. 
And dude, it has been like rocket fuel. Like he's loved it. He's been eating it up. He's been dialing in the systems. He's been like creating all these like automated messages and communications. So we're probably like, we're like four to six weeks into building out our own internal short-term rental management side of the business. And my brother's killing it. He'll have probably about six short-term rentals that he's managing here in the next like 90 days. So I'm excited for him. Awesome. So when you're talking about portfolio, is this a personal portfolio that you're using the business to acquire and then pay out salaries and compensation on top of that as a machine to generate your own individual passive? Or is this just revenue that you're talking about for your company to produce $3,000 a month in recurring revenue? Yeah. So I'm buying them all through the entity that, that all of my team members work out of and are employed by. And my goal is that like right now we have to use active income to cover our expenses. I want to get the passive income to cover our expenses. So I did it in my personal life, man, like I talked about the impact and freedom that had on me and my tolerance for risk, which allowed me to get where I am now. Now I want to do it for my company. Sure. Now I want my company's assets to pay my company's expenses. So if all else failed and we took on these massive projects that didn't make money for years, we're good. I don't ever want to put myself in that position, but I want that freedom. I have it in my personal life. Now I want that freedom in my business. Awesome. So what's the personal portfolio looking while you're doing this? Yeah. On the side, I've got some long-term rental units in Indianapolis. And then I've got a couple long-term rental units here in Boise. So overall, like my total cash flow for that portfolio is probably like $3,500 a month on any given month. My, It's yeah, not so, bad. Yeah. It covers dude, my expenses. So. Were they, were they exact same? Oh, really? That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and that's what I tell people. And that's another thing that I preach on the show is I've got guests that come on here that make seven figures passive. Like I've had guests that make eight figures passive. Like they're not doing anything. It's coming in their bank accounts. And that's awesome. And that's, that's a lot of the guests, but also it's, I enjoy being the poster child for kind of being the bridge between the two. Right. So my philosophy is I have enough to have foundational financial independence to where honestly, like most of my expenses, I have a lot of expenses. Now I will say that, but what are they? Coaching, mastermind, business, mm -hmm. podcasts, my real estate. It's all going towards either self-development or my business. If I just wanted to cancel all this, yeah, my car is paid off, no student loans, debt-free. There's nothing else. And my house is, I've got, I'm house hacking. So I always mm -hmm. house hack. So once the $3,500 comes in, then I'm like, okay, cool. I can use that to take a risk and I can start shooting. I can start shooting my shot. It's, you can take that Hail Mary. So it's like being up 21 points. Then you can throw the Hail Mary because you've got 30 seconds left in the game. Even if they score, it's not going to kill you. Oh, you can throw it. And so now I'm doing that with this media company, Action Academy, with doing podcasts, going to go travel full time. Then you can make bets on yourself like you are with your company to where you say, hey, I'm going to go out and do this because there's not much downside. What's the worst case scenario that happens? I just get another job. Exactly. Just what my reality was before. Yeah. Yeah. And the, like the worst case scenario for us is if we fail on the Airbnbs, we just have to flip more houses. Yeah. So that's exactly. Good yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what do you, so you, your first short-term goal is to be able to get the passive income, to be able to cover the business expenses. Where do you see, where do you see the business going? What's your vivid vision for the business? Do you see yourself growing up larger? What assets do you want to focus on still Airbnb or do you want to dive into something else in the next two to three years? Yeah. So we're kind of like, 
the vivid vision on this is we're going to use Airbnbs like a Ferrari is in terms of a wealth vehicle. I want to generate that cash really quick and I want to get there fast. And then maybe the wrong way of looking at it, we'll find out over the next couple of months here. But like my goal is to get to $30,000 a month in passive income before I'm 30. So 27 right now, got three-ish years until I hit the 30 mark. I think I'll hit that $30,000 of passive income probably within the next two years. I'm pretty sure I'll do it before three, just based on the trajectory and the deal type of deals we're locking up and stuff like that. But I don't want to grow my short-term rental portfolio huge. Like I'm not trying to own like 50 single family homes, but if I can get that to about 20, 20-ish homes, about 30,000, 20 homes, over 30,000, but my immediate goal is 30 grand a month. But yeah, once I get it to 20 homes, I think what we'll try to do is fully automate the flip business where flipping happens with or without me. It doesn't matter. I don't need to show up to the office. I'll probably still have like final sign off on the projects, um, but that'll be bringing in like a full-time project manager, which uh, I am working on right now. We're interviewing people actively and trying to seek out that spot. But then between the operations manager and the project manager and the acquisitions manager, they should be able to find, fund, manage, and relist the projects all on their own without me. The cash flow from the Airbnbs allows us to make the mistakes in the flips and have them keep going and then to do that without me. Mistakes that are made for sure. And that's okay. Like I want my team to make mistakes, but I want them to do it safely so it doesn't jeopardize like the longevity of the company. So Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's not, it's only a failure if you don't learn from it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, if you- Keep doing the same thing over and over again, yeah. and you're like shooting yourself in the foot over yeah. and over again. Like by the fir- by the third bullet, like yeah. you may be the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like long term vision, I'd like to build a little bit bigger of a team. There's a lot on everybody's plate right now to run the amount of projects we're doing and trying to also generate the cash flow. So if I could get one or two more people inside the company, I would love to see everybody just jive in. And it's almost like rocket fuel because we put the right people in the right seats. And that's a point where like my team members have dreams and goals of their own. And I always envision for Justin, my acquisitions manager, he wants a Range Rover really bad. I feel like personally responsible to make sure that happens. So like I'm, cont- I go out and I raise money harder than I did before because I want to make sure that we buy enough deals and we got enough going on that Justin's going to be able to get that Range Rover in the next 12 months or so. So like, it's part of my vivid vision. Like I want to roll up to the office one day and they got the cars they want and they're living in the houses they want. They can afford the vacations that they want. And it's, man, we just created this company that is now allowing everybody involved with it to live the life of their dreams and on their terms. So mm. That's got a big picture. I love that, man. And I'm friends with, I'm Facebook friends with the Profit First guys. Are you? Yeah. So I'm going to have them on the show. I, I haven't messaged them yet. If you're listening to this, guys, I'm coming in your Facebook DMs. And so they'll hop on the show. But talk a little bit about Profit First, man, because I know a lot of seasoned entrepreneurs that I'm friends with that use that. And I've got the book. I've read the book. I just don't have my business built out enough to where I really need to use it yet. Yeah. Talk a little bit about transitioning into that system and the main differences you've seen from it. it honestly, dude, it's all about clarity, right? Like sure. beforehand, I'd have no idea what was going on. Like flip income would hit the account and you'd be like, holy crap, dude, we got a lot of money. And then you'd be like, okay, let's reinvest it. Let's buy more data and let's skip more leads and let's hire another follow-up specialist. And that's how I used to run my business. And those are the cracks in my foundation that crumbled it. So now instead, when money comes in, there's certain allocations that happen. So they, and also for tax purposes, my CPA for 2022 is going to freaking love me. So now it's like money comes into one specific account is the income account. Everything that hits that, now we know that's not just our money. Yeah, that's money that the company has generated, but now it needs to be allocated. 
So then we're allocating money to savings, we're allocating money to a tax bucket, we're allocating money to an expense account. It's also cool for the employees. So they have access to view this account. It's a profit sharing account that I created for them. So off of every deal, if we hit certain metrics, like we were on time, we were on budget, that Justin's comps were right, we're not missing ARVs and stuff like that. If all of that happens, they get a certain allocation on the profit sharing account. So like that profit sharing account right now is up to $5,500 which by the spectrum of an entrepreneur, maybe that's not a lot of money. But what's cool is my team's going to split that up amongst themselves at the end of each quarter. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe at the end of the quarter, it's at seven, eight, $9,000 and they get to split that up a $4,500 bonus. Talk about impact. That's really cool. They can take that money and do whatever they want with it. It's just added a lot of clarity and it's allowed us to see on a, it's like getting an instant update on your business by just simply looking at your bank accounts and going, mm-hmm. okay, cool. I've already got $4,500 set away for taxes right now. Okay, sweet. My employees get this profit sharing bucket. Okay, cool. We've got 20 grand left in the expense account. We've got 45 days until the next project closes. So we're going to average, we can't go over that $20,000 in the next 45 days. Perfect. Now we get it. Payroll is going to take out six. So what's really left? Just makes it so much easier to predict the ebb and flow of a business when you put money in the right accounts. I love it, man. Yeah, That's awesome. That's a good lesson to learn. You learned it young, like I'm 27 too. So you learned it now. So now when you're, it's, it's people talk about, hey, it's good to learn like a thousand dollar or ten thousand dollar lesson instead of a hundred thousand or a million dollar lesson, right? Yeah. Like I've yellowed crypto a couple of times now, and it's I get it. I should just dollar cost average, but it's just you know yellow throw thrown in twenty thirty forty thousand dollars and oops, and it's money, it's short term money that it wasn't long term money. I needed that money in the short term, so it was just like okay, cool. You remove your emotional attachment to it, and then you're just like okay, cool. What do I learn from this? Implement, move on. Yeah. Next, because money's just energy. Just it's just gonna keep coming and flowing always. Yeah, so. absolutely, dude. Yeah. So where can people find you, brother? Yeah. So I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's gonna be Noah Evans underscore real estate. <laughs> pretty easy to find me at that point. So very fair. I'm pretty active on Instagram. Pretty active on my podcast as well, Chasing Freedom Show. And that's those are probably the two best places to find me. I'm on Bigger Pockets as well. YouTube. I'm pretty much most of the social media channels you can find me. But if you really want to engage with me, Instagram's the best place. There you go. Slide in the DMs, people. You heard it here first. Yeah, there you All go. Right, brother. <laughs> All right, brother. I appreciate you, man. This was awesome. Sincerely. I'm glad. Yeah, Massey. I meet Massey in, at a GoBundance retreat. Dude breaks his back next day. Oh, you Get were in, in Park City with him then? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was in Park City with him. Breaks his back, doing a ski jump, and then texting in the group. He's like, hey, guys, back's broken. Getting life flighted. Casual. We're like, oh, yo, that's not Dude. good. <laughs> Oh man. That, yeah. That was crazy when that happened. Like I texted him a couple of times. I was like, bro, is there anything you need help with? Cause like, I know if I was out, like, bro, I'd hope some of my friends checked up. I was like, dude, we, we love you, Massey. <laughs> <laughs> I ended there, brother. Appreciate it. This has been Brian and Noah Evans with the Action Academy podcast signing off. You've been listening to the Action Academy podcast, helping you to choose what you want with who you want when you want you've been given the gift of freedom don't turn your back on that we hope you've enjoyed the show and we hope you've gotten some practical and useful information make sure to like rate and review the show we'll be back soon but in the meantime hook up with us on social media remember financial independence is freedom the flags of freedom fly freedom fly